Welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann. I would like to extend my gratitude. Thank you so much for making me part of your listening experience. I have been having a ton of fun with these incredible conversations from friends of mine to strangers that I've met by reading news to all of the different conversations that I get to have and share. And I'm super proud to have all of you here listening and also watching with me every Friday night on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. Uh, The Watch Party has been a ton of fun. They actually call it a live premiere, but I think Watch Party sounds so much more fun. We sit in the chat. Uh, It's really a great time. So if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann, you'll know when the video component is landing on there. And I think sometimes it's great to actually watch the chemistry between two people speaking and the animation that's involved when somebody says something that's like, oh, that light bulb just went off. Before I get to today's conversation, it's always a great time for me to just kind of catch you up. And of course, you know, from last week's episode with Bob Harris, I'm pretty stoked that football is here. Uh, This is a time of the year for me where I actually sit still all day on Sunday. Well, not all day. At 11 a.m., I do a YouTube live and it's just really fantasy football and sports betting focus where I help people set their lineups, you know, start sit questions, talk about like any crazy weather going on, matchups, last minute injury or lineup changes. And so this is my opportunity here to bring in different conversations, though last week with Bob Harris was sports related because I want to kick off the NFL season for 2022 in a very sports centric way, which I did. And to picture Bob Harris actually with a 900-800 number giving fantasy football advice before the fax machine, before the internet is just, yeah, part of the reason why I think he's just a rock star. I mean, just one of my favorite humans that I've met in fantasy football and just a great friend and just a great part of my life. So if you didn't get to catch that one, go back and listen to last week. But this one's similar. This is a friend that I've known longer than Bob Harris, but someone that I met many years ago before I worked for SiriusXM when I was just a regular guest at SiriusXM. And a lot of that stemmed from Sarah Palin. Thank you very much. Sorry, things didn't go better. I really wanted to see her get a run. I was getting a lot of hits like, oh, what happens if she if she gets pretty far? Are you going to do anything again? Well, no, but you know, I do have my Palin for President t-shirt uh, that I've worn once very scarily on social media so people wouldn't get their panties in a bunch. I had to put a disclaimer, like a trigger warning. It's all in fun. It's just uh, I saw it on, on Amazon. I had to buy it. I kind of have to support Sarah. But the Sarah Palin series inspired me getting invited to be in an Eminem video, which is still an epic life moment. Still one of those moments that when I'm feeling the funk of the day, we all get into a funk. So, you know, though you may not translate that from my social media or from what I share with you here on my podcast, I like you, we all get into funks. And so when I'm in a funk, I usually go through this like inventory list. It's like a gratitude journal in my brain. We'll call it a brain gratitude journal. I call it an inventory list. And it's all about the relationships in my life, the people that I have in my corner, whether it be sinner, whether it be just the letter K, whether it be my firefighter friend, Justin Bob Harris, you know, just wealth of people, you know, my girl gang from the city. Like I, so the first part of the inventory list is, is really always about my relationships. And that's really the most important. That can normally get me straight up over the hump. 
I have a video from the night of my birthday of everyone saying something about me that I've often gone back and rewatched as well because it was just like an overflowing moment of, of excellence in my life. But the Eminem video is on that inventory list. And sometimes I'll just go back and watch it and be like, you know, remember this day? Remember how cool you thought you were this day? Remember how excited you were when the video came out? Like, I remember I didn't sleep because I was like, oh, the video is dropping. Is it going to drop at midnight? What's going to happen? I just waited for social media to go crazy because, of course, I couldn't talk about it. And then I think about getting to play myself in a cameo on Billions, a show that I absolutely love. And I go back through passport stamps and trips and that level of gratitude can help me kind of nudge me out of a funk because we all get into a funk. And one of the things I thought would be great to share with you before this conversation, similar to my conversation with Bob Harris last week, is just the connections that I have. And I had this epiphany last weekend. I had just gotten home from my fantasy draft travel spree. And I had a podcast set up for that afternoon, which I was hella nervous because every day you read during the holiday weekends of how many flights are canceled, you're like, this flight cannot even be late because I was landing at 1230. I had a draft starting at 1 p.m. And then with the same folks, I was going to be in the draft room at 1 p.m. I had a 5 p.m. interview for their podcast. That's Dave and Jeff, my friends from San Diego, who I will get to see. I get to see Jeff and Josh, no, Dave and Josh, this weekend in the city. Uh, and then next August, I'll be back out in San Diego for their 25th anniversary, the big anniversary party in 2019. It was their 20th, and I was there for that. They did a charity event. It was so successful. And one of the things that Jeff asked me was, I noticed that there's not quite as much one-on-one -on -one interaction on social media as there once was. What changed for you? And I had to really think about that. Sometimes I do an interview and I answer questions, but then some of those questions stay deep rooted in my mind. And I'm like, I got to clearly answer this. And I realized something. I've become more focused on a lot of behind the scenes work. And when I say behind the scenes, I mean things that I don't tell other people about or things that I'm doing during the day. And a lot of that is networking. A lot of it's networking for other people because I love to connect to my worlds. And so when you look at that plant behind me, when you're watching the YouTube premiere, I know you can't see it if you're just listening. So I'll tell you, it's in one of those wicker woven baskets. And my life has become like that wicker woven basket where it's just gotten stronger and stronger because of all of these relationships that I've built. And then I take those relationships and I find other relationships that I have that I think, you know, these people need to know each other. I'll give you an example. Armand King was a great guest a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations to uh, Walk With Me Impact for reaching their fundraising goal to be able to bring this curriculum into schools for students, for teachers, for parents. I was so excited. But, you know, I thought about Andre Pert from ConConnect, another guest that I had on earlier this year. And I thought, I have to introduce... Andre and Armand. And I reached out to Armand. I said, you know, I want you to look up Andre Pert, ConConnect. This is, you know, he's at the other end of what you're working on, trying to be preventive on the early stages that I think you two could come together and do something incredibly beautiful. And I linked them together. They scheduled a meeting and that's some joy. That's some sense of pride for me. That's some paying it forward and making this woven basket 
stronger and greater and more resilient because the more people I weave together, the stronger my foundation is in this basket of my life, right? It's just filled with good things because there's good energy and good karma and good things. It's not that I don't love being on social media. It's that I don't feel that same joy, that same gratitude, that same appreciation as I did when I spend time making sure that Andre Pert from Con Connect meets Armand King from Walk With Me Impact. And there's a toxicity with social media. And so, you know, we have conversations about mental health, but I think they're only going so far. And I also think that sometimes they can be very one-sided because a lot of people bring mental health concerns to me and they'll come to me in social media in a, in a way that like, I have this and this is why I'm this way with you. But, and then they'll like leave a hundred messages all at one time. And they don't think about the mental health aspect on the other end. I don't think celebrities, athletes, uh, entertainers are, are as understood that when we share something on social media, and I'm going to give an example. Yesterday, I'm doing an IG live on the Dudes Do Better IG account because it was a bye week for Dudes Do Better. Bye weeks are a football thing, but they're also a thing during football season. Dudes Do Better is now going to be in every other Monday release. And this was an other. The week before was in every and next week will be in every. So I thought on those Mondays where there's no new episode, I should do an IG live. I find it's a lot harder to do an IG live in an account with less followers. And it's so strange to say this, but in my account where there could be a thousand people in the live at one time, there's so many messages that I have choices. So like every 10th message is like an awesome, somebody I know, somebody I can't wait to see, somebody I want to answer. And of course the nine in between are show me your boobs, show me your feet, bend over, horrible things, horrible things, unnecessary things, just banter, 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 banter. But I've found that I'm conditioned to that level of chaos that I can skim through and be like, oh, Jeff's here. Oh, great. Oh, Peter's here. Okay, great. Oh, Todd's here. Okay, great. And I have enough people, but when there's only 15 people in the room and one person has to be noticed and sends a message every second, every other message is from this one person. And so I was going through what was going to be taking place last week, the very first of my football Sundays, which is at 11 a.m. You know, I told you about that before, so I'll have to tell you about that. You know, I'm going through all the places where I'll be talking sports. My TV spot started full time Fridays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on WFAN, on the radio, and on SNY, on TV. And I'm going through all of this. And the one message that caught me of his, because I had ignored the first 50, the one message that caught me was, I'd really love to talk sports with you. And I'm thinking like, first of all, I am telling you where you can talk sports with me. I'll be doing a YouTube live every Sunday. I talk sports all the time on the radio. You could listen in. But it's something that came to me in the strangest place. I'm listening to Pat McAfee last weekend. Aaron Rodgers is on. Aaron Rodgers announces the fact that he's going to be back on weekly spot again, book club, all of it. I'm stoked. But he's also talking about life. And he said something very profound. Aaron Rodgers says, well, that's why we have two ears and one mouth. Because we're supposed to listen more than we speak. And so when I go and circle back to that mental health aspect, I know sometimes when I'm on these lives, I'm not being listened to, and it's just clamoring for attention. I know sometimes when I post a photo, it's just showing off a cool site in New York, I, everyone that's going to make it about them. 
I'd like to be that bike seat. I'd like to be there with you. I'd like it. What people don't realize on the other side, the receiving end of this is how troubling that is for the mental health of somebody that has to process what I do will never be enough. No matter how much content I put out there, no matter how many podcasts, how many YouTube videos, how many social media posts, how many engagements, how many, how many, how many, it will never be enough because the entitlement on the other side is me, 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 me. So as we talk and we think about everyone's mental health, I think everybody could take a page out of this book that, you know, this Aaron Rodgers profound statement of we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And also live in gratitude. Be thankful. And I'm not asking for people to like bow down at me because I'm doing a live, but just engage in the conversation. Be thankful that we're chatting. Make it something we could talk about. I get so hyped when somebody's like, who do you think is going to win this game? And I'd be like, whoa, who's your team? You know, we get to have this back and forth banter and I'm really good at being able to read through comments while I'm speaking at the same time. But it's also very annoying when you know that when you go onto social media, 90% of the comments are going to be about me, 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 do this with me, take me to dinner, take me there. I want to go there with you. I want to go out with you. We're to be entertaining the masses. I am to be entertaining the masses. I am sharing as much of my life as I possibly can share. But as I got into this conversation with my guest, I realized my guest has had the same underlying thing. At times, we do take hold of what people say, and we do get held back from our own words because of the actions of others. So when you are admiring your favorite person in any way, shape, or form, find a way to make it more about how much you appreciate them and less about how you think you deserve or you're entitled to some sort of a one-on-one -on -one interaction because that is heavy and it's an incredible amount of pressure and weight. And it's something so strange to think like, I'll never be able to do it enough in a day because there'll always be a, a hundred thousand more people that want more or people that are, you know, making this about them. And so think about it, be mindful because we as entertainers are so thrilled to have all these platforms, this accessibility and the fact that I can be live with you. All I need is internet and I can be in any country and we could be having this back and forth. Like it's fascinating and I want to do them more. But when I'm done doing them and like that one yesterday, I had had it and I felt bad. I almost didn't want to post the live because I was like, bruh, I see you just Stop. Like I'm talking sports with you right now. And I'm telling you where I'm going to be talking sports and it's all free. It's all free on social media or YouTube. Like, but because the ears are not being used and the mouth by means of, you know, characters is being used at a nonstop rapid pace. You're not even hearing me. You're just ignoring me and forcing yourself in my space. That is exhausting. That is not what I'm looking for. Luckily for my YouTube lives, my Facebook lives, I have a moderator who will just zap, 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 zap. But I haven't taken that step yet with Instagram, but I'm considering it. But when you listen to Nicole, my guest today, who you're going to love, hear that we record podcasts, then we worry about what people are going to think, and then we do jobs, we worry about what people are going to think. There's this constant. So... What we can all do to be better is just thank people more, 
be more grateful. And so that made me realize back to why I'm not on social media as much. And the fact that my networking is something that brings me such a next level joy, such a feeling of satisfaction, you know, introducing people to people, whether it's a work, somebody, Hey, somebody needs you to shoot this. And I can remember I introduced Kay to my friend, Sean in San Diego, who has a sports collectible business. And she's got to go to all, Kay's got to go to all these great things and shoot all these live events. And they've built this great friendship and Sean's just a rock star dude. And also when you know people, you're more likely to be able to give an honest, 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 like, Hey, I recommend you two will work well together. I trust this person. I'm not just going to introduce Kay to a rando. No way. They would have to be vetted through me. And so through my life of vetting people, and getting to have all of these awesome experiences from being in the adult industry to, you know, just being a guest nonstop on Sirius XM to then working at Sirius XM, all of these things, I've accumulated this beautiful basket of relationships. And that's truly what brings me joy. And you are going to love this conversation. But first, let's get to a word from my sponsor. Guys, Confidence can take you far in life and it can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes to like stepping up to the plate. You know what I mean? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis in a chewable tablet at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be prepared to step up to that plate. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. You can use my code LISA, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew is made in the USA and is prepared and shipped directly to you in discreet packaging. Sign up at bluechew.com today. Use my code LISA. And here we are ready to sit down for this conversation, a new podcast that you are going to have to subscribe to and support my friend who you can follow on all social media at Nikkilicious. I'm excited to have this powerful female conversation right here with a friend that I've known for years and watched her life just develop so beautiful. Nicole Adamo, you know her as Nikkilicious and I know her as a fearless woman who has done so many incredible things, sports marketing, agent, everything you've been about. And now you've brought back your podcast. Nicole, it's great to see you today. It's so great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute legend. And you know I love you, so it's finally good to catch up. I'm excited. We haven't had a chance to catch up in person in years. I know. Crazy. And when we started really connecting through Sirius XM, you know, I was stepping into the studios where there was not another female voice in the studios and you were in the hip hop studios where there was not another female voice. And so it was just this collision of like, but I never felt like I didn't fit in. And I'm sure you felt the same thing. It's just unique and special and different. How was your approach to make sure that you were looked at as an equal through this whole pursuit of yours? Yeah, I feel like it definitely started from the magazines, but as far as serious, I think that's when I really realized I needed to draw some boundaries because in the beginning, being on a hip hop station coming in, they're like, how did she get here? She probably slept her way in, you know, and who could and I have such a great relationship, but 
We also have roles to play on the radio. So you kind of can't fire back at the audience. You just have to gain their respect and trust. And then it became something where um, I feel that I created a platform for other women to show them that being one of the guys, you're not just one of the guys, which, you know, that's the podcast situation as well. But with the radio station, like you said, you and I, it was a different time. It's so many years ago that now you see a lot of women, you know, on the radio and doing things content related. But for us, we had to earn our stripes. We had to show you can't talk like that about me. You can't talk like that to me. And if you don't want to listen to what I'm going to have to say, I'm going to show you what I can do. And then you're going to want to listen. So I think for me, it was a mentality of I never want to be this woman in a male dominated industry as far as sports or hip hop or whatever that looks like that people feel like, well, what do you bring to the table? I want you to be like, she brings the whole table. And that's, that was my approach. That was really my approach. And that's kind of still my approach. And even though we're seeing more female faces and hearing more female voices, you can still go into the offices and it is a stark difference. Um, you know, Sirius is one of those places where I was like, you know, I'm like, what am I getting? Where, where's my chick boss? Like, where, where are we? And I think it, it's intimidating for some women to take that step. But when you know who you truly are, it, it's not a thing right? It might be a thing to the listeners until you, like you said, kind of train them to build this understanding, but it's not a thing to us. But as you've watched it change, what have you seen be different in this expansion of our world? Because I think there's still a different attitude that you and I have that maybe another female voice would. I think you and I, a lot of people look at us, um, you know, look at our past and our journey and they say, okay, boobs, good looking, pretty, can say this, but are they smart? And we should never have to prove that we're smart. I feel like for us, we never looked at it like that. I know, you know, we've had this conversation a long time ago, and I'm sure that's exactly the conversation we're about to have now is going into that world, kind of never having that, hey, I just want to show up as my most authentic self, never having that, what if they don't like me? And what if a man says that I can't do it? Or where I feel the same way all the time still. Where are the females? Why are people dimming their own lights because they feel like they can't get there? I struggled a lot in the beginning of my career having been a magazine editor and then starting to create a marketing business where I would take athletes on and become their agent. I really struggled with people saying, well, she's definitely sleeping with them. I mean, even now everyone thinks, and now we don't care as much, right? Now I'm like, if that's what you think, you haven't done your homework on me and my resume. So for us, I think you're right. We are still seeing a lack in certain areas and it might not be that they're not there. It's just that they're afraid to show up in the spotlight because you don't want to be scrutinized. You don't want to have people saying, this is how she got there. I wonder how she got there. Even just this past weekend, I went to um, a bunch of my clients games with a friend of mine. She has an OnlyFans, so people assume whatever they want to assume about her. And that stigma of just being a woman who, let's say, you're around professional athletes all the time, or you're around entertainment personalities all the time that are mostly male, you get that reputation of, well, I know what it is. And I think as far as executives and seeing women, we are seeing more women step up, but I still want to just continue to drive that home that we need to encourage the way you and I always do, encourage women to not be afraid to have a voice. Who cares what people say? Who cares about the stigmas? And I think for a long time, 
a lot of my career was held back or I put a lot of things on pause because I was so afraid. I was afraid that people would think they wouldn't see the work that I did, that they would think that I cheated my way there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was, it was a struggle, but now I feel like we have platforms and we create our own narratives and that's the most important thing we can do. And what's interesting is that we've evolved so much to have so much diversity, but at the same time, there's still those people that jab behind your back. There's still those people that have to have that automatic assumption. Why go there? Like why even go there? Because you're pinning genders against each other. My background growing up with brothers and growing up being a sports fan just automatically put me having a lot of male friends, but none of those male friends did I ever date or hook up with because they were like, again, an extended version of my brothers. How did you fall into a male dominated world? Did you grow up with brothers? Were you around more men growing up? So I think there was a little bit of a void from, I would say my own dad. He was kind of the guy that everyone loved to be around and he owned nightclubs and was a DJ. And so my mom really raised me to be this strong, independent woman, but she had a lot of guy friends. And so because she was this corporate, you know, running the show at a big company, a Fortune 100 company, you know, and so for me, I think I had a lot of guy friends because I was always looking for that male figure of, you know, just somebody to teach me things about sports or somebody. And I had my grandfather who really, he just, he's the best. He's taught me everything. And he was that figure, but I think it's a different generation. So I always hung around guys because I never, I was a little insecure and I didn't want to compete with women though. I had my core group of female friends. That's how it started. I always wanted a brother and I didn't get one until I was 16. So, you know, and I was already the oldest child of, you know, at that time only two and I had a sister. And so for me, it was just about surrounding myself with male energy, people who could teach me things. So they knew that I wasn't afraid to be around them. I always, I've just always loved sports because my mom loves sports. And, you know, I just wanted to fit in, in a place where so many girls, you know, as a little girl, you're afraid, you're, you're afraid to go up to a little boy. I was never afraid. I just, I wanted the spotlight. I wanted people to pay attention to me. I wanted to learn from guys and you know, I wanted to be rough and tough and respected in a way where you can make the jokes and I can take them. But I also want you to be the ones who are teaching me what I can, let's say, if I'm going to be in a relationship, what I should accept, what I shouldn't accept. And I think when you're friends with so many men, right, you tend to start taking notes. You start to know what you'll accept, what you won't, because you see what maybe guys are doing to as they're going through it. Or what, what they loved. What, yes. what, what their girl does that they love, whether it's them raving about her cooking, yes. whether it's them raving about how she lives, how she takes care of her apartment. You take care, you take these notes and you're like, oh, I never knew that mattered. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was straightening my hair for four hours because I thought that was what mattered. You know, it right. helps you shift those priorities, right? Yeah, it really does. And I think as I started to get older, I really saw this need for me to, because I knew sports, especially at that time, was really a male-dominated industry. And people didn't believe that we can do the things that we're doing. I mean, look at what you do. You are the top female in fantasy sports. And arguably, you're at the top of the fantasy sports world, regardless of your gender, you know? So for me, it's that's always inspired me. Even Ava Fiore, Cleats and Cleavage, she was someone I became friends with really early on. 
where she really taught me and she took me under her wing. You can be sexy and still be feminine and be a boss and know sports and talk about things guys talk about and secure, I would say, have secure, whatever you want to call it, the same business, the same titles, be at the same level as men in the industry. And for me, it was just about surrounding myself with those people. I think it was just very organic. Yeah. And also like sports and hip hop are, are similar in the sense that it's a great escape. So you can be around this whole group and be talking and it's never really about you. It's never really personal never. because you always got this subject matter that you're fo focusing on, whether it's sports or, or whether it's hip hop, new music coming out. And so there's a comfort in that because I think as younger women, we're exposed to so much kind of a little bit of cattiness, a little bit of gossip. And if you don't fit into that, it never suits you. It never suited me to be in that, to be talking about what somebody else was wearing, to be doing that. And guys just don't do that. They just don't care. <laughs> they don't. And I think, you know, I had done a social experiment years ago and it was, you had to judge these pictures and videos based on um, and I was really young based on what they were doing or wearing. And they obviously went above and beyond these stereotypes. Right. And I caught myself after it kind of came out and I looked at it and they showed it to us. I was like, wait a minute. There were certain things that I was so neutral when all the other girls were talking shit. But for me, there was one thing that I don't remember what it was that I said that I look back now and I'm like, ew that's not you and that's not who you are and what you're about. But I realized the reason it was is because I had pinned something on someone that a boyfriend had done to me. So there were certain things I knew I still had a lot of evolving to do and still needed to kind of learn. But I was never the person the same way you're not and weren't who didn't want to see other women win. I never no. understood that ever. I'm like, don't we all want to kind of take over this thing together? What are we doing? And that's why you've always been so gracious to me. You were always in the beginning, anything you need, tell me like who you want to meet or nobody does that, Lisa. And you know that I know that I try and give back the same way legends like yourself have done for me without that. I don't know where my self-confidence or where my career would be, you know? I was very fortunate to be touched in my younger life by women who were very encouraging and who helped. Remember when I wanted to get in the industry, there was no internet. So I was in Pennsylvania. I was interviewing the stars that were coming through my home club for two years. I took notes from these wonderful women, some who I'm still friends with today. And I would have to get a photographer and get photos. They'd give me an address and I'd mail them to these companies and they kept in touch. And so that was just ingrained in me that like, hey, when you're holding the opportunity that they were then holding, you have to share this. You have to carry the torch. And it feels good, especially as you get older, yes. because you realize how many people you've kind of nudged and helped and been kind to. What good is gathering information, good or bad, and not sharing it? I want to share every bad experience I had so I can prevent <laughs> other people from having them. You know what I mean? Yes. Because we, and with each of us doing this, and also it's just a, it's a, it's a great feeling of karma. How do you want to be remembered? What is yeah. your true legacy? Your legacy is going to be how people speak of you, not how much money you had or what you looked like. It's how people remember you when they get together. And you want that to be, oh, I had a positive interaction with that person. So for me, that was just the obvious way I interacted and it helped build this beautiful web of life. And when I look at sports and your involvement with sports now, one of the things I think that helped me 
was that I was worried that everybody was judging me. So I study still to this day, <laughs> legit four or five hours more than other people. If I'm not talking nice. on my podcast and I'm not in a meeting, I'm listening to sports radio. I know every injury within an hour that it happened. I wake up in the morning. I listen to what happened on demand. Like I know my show schedules. I can look nice. at the clock and tell you what the three preference choice shows I should be listening to live, which one I'm going to save for the podcast later. How much extra work do you think you did that was good for you? Look, it, hard work is good for us, but how much extra work do you think you did because you knew how beautiful you were and you knew how easy it was for people to make that assumption? You know, I oftentimes think back to those moments and I say, wow, I always felt like I was never doing enough. And I think for women like us, we are just, it's always going to be, we need more. I want more. I need to do more. There were nights when I worked at men's fitness and muscle and fitness that I would sleep under my desk because I felt like I needed to prove myself. I'd show up to every photo shoot. I would ask to do things that were so below my title on the hierarchy, but because they were never below me. There was no mm -hmm. amount of work and still to this day. And I think there are times when agencies come to me and say, I want you to bring your clients here, or I want you to do this because I see the kind of work that you're doing. We want you to be a consultant and take on some of our clients and do the marketing deals for them. And I go, okay, but if I'm doing all of this work, oh, you don't need to do all of that. It's too much. It's overkill. For me, it's like, if we don't have those same values of it's never going to be enough, I'd rather do too much. I've always been like that. And I feel like, you know, my entire career and even my life has been like that evolution. How can I get better? How can I ever have been a good publicist or marketing agent if I wasn't on the journalism side to know how a publicist would pitch me and how I should be pitching them? How could I have been someone who's on the radio without having brought people, personalities on the radio and taking all these different perspectives? I think for us, it's not just about the work. It's about having, playing all those roles. And unfortunately, a lot of times people say you can't boil the ocean or a jack of all trades is, you know, a master of none, which is not even the full quote, you know? And so for me, it's like, I can do it all. And just because you don't want to do the work to do it all, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to. And I'm the same way as you are. At, I'm just always working, always, never not working. It's, it's a, look, but it's, if you don't put it on social media, does, it means it's not happening. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. And I got used to that. Like, and that's not here? the case. That's what are we doing? Case. But but you know what else? I will say this. In my younger life, it kept me out of trouble. Like, it, you know, yes. having this drive and deciding that you're going to sleep under your desk, uh, deciding these things that you're going to do that you're going to show up for. You know, things we've both done through our lives that we never asked anybody for any money for. But in the sense... These were all the building yes. blocks, the foundation. I think that's one of the things that the younger generation might be missing out on is that grit. You watch both of your parents work very hard. I watch both my parents work very hard. That grit of not feeling that things are beneath you actually really pays off down the road because you mm -hmm. get into one situation and you're like, you know what? I know exactly what to do here where someone else just wouldn't. And they'd be like phoning a friend like, oh, I'm in this situation. You're like, I've already seen that. That grit defines us to be different. And not being afraid to ask for help. That was something I think in my career, mm. I didn't want people to feel in the beginning like I didn't know what I was doing. So I would stay, I would study extra, I'd be under my desk, I'd be always looking and being nosy and in 
not in other people's business, but I wanted to know how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And asking all the questions. Same thing with athletes. Why did I become such good friends with athletes? Because I knew I wanted to be an agent, though I'm not doing their main contracts. I'm doing their brand endorsement deals, which are sometimes bigger or just as big. You have to understand the mindset. So you have to take on all these roles that might not seem relevant, but they are. And I think you're right. This generation is lacking grit. They don't want to do the work because social media has made it so easy to go viral, but that doesn't translate into forget the money. It doesn't translate into fulfillment. And for me, if I'm not feeling fulfilled, if the work people go, oh, your job is so, you have the best life. It's so fun. You don't know how hard the nights I need a blepharoplasty. Like I need my under eyes done. I am tired, but that, that tiredness is just kind of like a pat on the shoulder. Like you're doing the right thing. And yes, I know we need to sleep and it's not good for our bodies, but at the same time, the things that you and I do, the sacrifices we make, that makes all the difference. Might seem like a little thing to some people, but it makes the difference. And also when you love what you do, you don't mind an extra six hours at night. You know, you don't mind that you're still at your computer at 10 o'clock. So what is your average work day? What time are you up? And then what time do you work till? I know it fluctuates with you because your schedule could be games, could be talking to somebody in a different country for marketing, like you're global. So that's also exhausting. You know, you got to do a meeting in Turkey, a compromise time is 5 a.m. I know I do them all the time, 5 a.m. my time, because it's, you know, in the afternoon there, what's your average day, how long and how many days a week? Yeah. I also think people don't realize that I was working in corporate while I was doing the radio and while I was doing all of this other stuff. So working at like a, an American express or a Condé Nast, or even, you know, the magazines before they got sold off into different places, having that nine to five, I was always juggling in between. So there were no hours. Yes. I might've had to show up in an office now, obviously remote, but at that, which has been a lifesaver by the way, (laughs) like I miss people, but being able to do more things in the comfort of it's my own efficient. home. Is, it's efficient. So it's efficient. You're not losing commute time. No. You have food. Like I'm busy the next couple of days. So I did fruit food prep yesterday. So I have yes. salads made. I have everything ready. I'm going to eat healthy food. I'm not going to run out. It's also financially great because you're not spending money to eat out. Like it is efficient. Yes. I save from California three to four hours a day of what I was commuting, you know, and in the city commuting, like it is for someone like you and I that wants to grind. We don't yes. want to be behind the wheel of a car and not be able to respond to an email. So that's just yes. something that you can hope you have all these emails to respond to. <laughs> so are so you seven days, are you seven days a week right now? Seven days a week. I feel like I've been seven days a week since I first got into that whole, into this whole industry. It's been like a little over 12 years now. I was 18 years old taking night classes at, you know, for college and weekend classes, bartending and trying to compete in the bodybuilding world, like for a bikini, because it was, I guess they were calling it investigative journalism because at first it was a lot of fitness stuff. And then it triggered, like started to trigger other things and it was sports. And then it was not just sports and fitness, it was hip hop. And then it became entertainment. And so for me, yeah, it, it really, there are no hours. I get clients calling me at 3 a.m. Where are you? What are you doing? Freaking out. You know how hard it is to date, Lisa? I don't do it. I can't. Imagine you seeing, you're laying in bed next to me <laughs> and you see a like a very big name professional athlete or a rapper calling three times in a row and you're like, 3 a.m.? This girl's getting a booty call. No, they're like getting arrested or they did something that they need me to know is coming help. out. Yeah, yeah. Google alerts. You know, yeah. it's, I am 
I am responsible for other people's brand, not -hmm. just my own. Yes, I'm a personality. That's fine. But my responsibility is to be around at all times. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if I'm on vacation, I'm still working. And that's okay because I love it. I, I get an adrenaline rush. I'm addicted to working. And I don't think that'll ever change. I really don't. But I'm you, sure you and I could have easily let somebody pay for our whole oh, life. And you know so what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and it would have been the easy way out. People, why don't you just date an athlete? I have yeah. friends. I have guy yeah. friends that joke with me all the time. They're like, you know, you could have just married somebody. But I'm like, what joy would that have brought Thank me? you. I love the challenge. This morning I got a call from a company I do a ton of work with. They want to put this new commercial together. I reached out to my content creator. I looked at a studio. I'm like, all right, we're budgeting out this thing. And one day I had this whole thing packaged for them. Like, this is what it's going to be. We've got the dates going in September. And like, I find a thrill. Something new was put on my desk and I get to tackle yes. this. And also when people build trust with you, that they know they can come to you with a project, and that it's going to be done, it's easy to give them an invoice. It's easy to get paid huh. because they know you're going to finish the, the job and, you're, and they know how committed you are. That's a big plus. I think a lot of my, um, I would say a lot of brand deals, my clients, some of them have had flakier agents or marketing or publicists in the beginning of their career, or they just are not aware. Because if you're at a big company and you're managed, that's why having my own you know, boutique agency has been amazing. These people who we have relationships with at brands, they know Nicole will do whatever it takes to make sure that this content is in on time, that it's done the way it's supposed to be done. So they'll pay my clients up front. You don't have to wait till the work is done. Same thing with me. If someone says, can you post this? You know, we're going to send you this. I'm not getting multi-million dollar deals like everyone else. You know, my clients are, are big names, but I think, and even the brands I work with, it's, it's the trust. It's knowing it's trust. that we have built this reputation of that's a hustler. That's someone who's going to get it done by any means. And if they can't get it done, they're going to figure out a way anyway. And I think that's the intrigue of women like us who empower each other. Because if I had to deal with brands who didn't understand why I'm the way I am, and, and we get people all the time, it takes forever to get an email back. And sometimes it's hard because you can't understand. Why are you taking so long? I'm always available. For them, it's work-life balance. For me, my life is unbalanced if I'm not working all the time. A relationship, marriage, that stuff doesn't really matter to me. It's of no interest to me, Lisa. I got to be honest. I, I'm Listen, yeah. I'm floored. Like, I have a rule during the week, five days a week, if you email me, you're getting a response within 24 hours. I mean, yes. it's probably going to be before that. But within 24 hours... And that's routine. Weekends, it might be a little bit longer because as I've gotten older, I turned 50 this year. I have Yay, put a little bit birthday. of balance in my life and given myself like a day or a half a day of cushion. Have I do to. a massage every Saturday, but like I earn getting here and I look forward to this time where I was like, one day you're going to have every Saturday afternoon off because you want to, but don't worry when I get back, I'm still tinkering with things. I still like to touch into it. But part of this satisfaction, we are from the Northeast. So that's another tool where we, we, we hustle. We respond to people. We get there on time. We're never late. It's different. We're early. We're, we're early. If we're, if we're on time, we feel late and we're stressed. We're early. But one of the things that people who do what we do and who feel this passion towards work, there is a satisfaction in the relationships that we build for you yes. with your brands, for me with the other hosts and the other radio shows that I work with. That is a relationship. So though we're not out searching dating and we're not trying to get married, <laughs> we feel satisfaction in knowing that somebody believes in you to give them your their money from their company in advance because you're going to deliver. That is so satisfying. 
And people don't understand that. I really, I have a hard time understanding that people go, your life is so random. How do you get all these deals? How do you do this? How, how do you get this person who's retired, who nobody cares about anymore in your eyes, they don't care about because mm -hmm. I create the story. Mm -hmm. I do all the work for the brand too. I deliver a full package before the brand even has a chance to think about saying no. And that's the difference. That's the difference between both of us and everyone else. And I'm not saying there aren't other women who go above and beyond. There are tons and they should be celebrated as well. But I think East Coast, I don't think I could live on the West Coast because it's slower for me. And this grit and this mentality of New York and what we have going on here, that's what kind of that triggers my whole entire existence to be great, to always okay, be better. It was, there's always it, someone figuring something out. You know. It was difficult in California. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Okay. First of all, did you know that the banks and the post office both open an hour later out there? An what? hour. I'm like, what? That's I can't a long, walk the that's post an hour. Because they know nobody's going to be there. Like <laughs> nobody returns an email or a phone call before 10 a.m. Yeah. And I'm like, I've I, already, I've already done so much by 10 AM. So it was difficult. Yes. It's a different, different pace. Now with all that you have going on, you're back with your passion project, which is your podcast called not just one of the guys you had this podcast years ago and you took a little break and now you're coming yeah. back. What are we covering in your podcast? Not just one of the guys. Everything from the boardroom to the bedroom, how to be the, I would say, the driving force in your own life. It's opening up my playbook of experiences. You know, I grew up as someone, everyone's like, oh, that's just Nicole. She's just one of the guys. And I remember being on, this is like a great story that I love telling. I remember being on set of a photo shoot, three rookie um, NBA players, I believe it was, still friends with two of them today. And we're there. And I kept saying, well, you know, he's like, what would you say if, they were going to ask you these questions that I'm going to get interviewed by, like about. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if you were in this interview and you were the subject, you were me, what would you say back? And I said, oh, I'd probably just be like, you know, I'm just one of the guys. And this kid looked at me and he's like, what? You're just one of the guys? I said, yeah. Like, no, you're not. You're not just one of the guys. I said, yes, I am. And I was getting mad because he didn't really know me. And I'm like, you don't know, like in my head, I'm like, you don't know me. I shouldn't have to prove myself. And I'm like, okay, just be calm. I said, what do you mean? And he said, my mother always told me to never, when describing myself, put the word just in front of anything, because then you are dimming your own light. You are totally taking the value out of yourself, depreciating you and what you're worth. And so that stuck with me. And ever since then when people would say, oh, that's Nicole. She's just one of the guys. And you know, a lot of people say that because they want their girlfriends to feel like, oh, it's just Nicole. She's just one of the guys. I, I get it now, right? Seeing, looking back, I get it. Seeing what I see and have seen. But now my thing is I'm not just one of the guys. I am a, a serial entrepreneur. I am an on-air personality. I'm someone who mentors other people. I am vibrant. I'm authentically myself. I'm human. I'm definitely human. I have a lot of demons. Lisa, we all do, but I, I struggled. And that's why I took the podcast down because I was afraid. I, I was afraid of what people would say and what they would think. Cause I try really hard to separate me as a personality from me as someone who represents other people. And I said, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to live up to these archetypes and have to go back and forth and say, what am I? Why am I? I don't care what you think of me. I know who I am and what I bring to the table, which is the table. 
you could pull up a seat or you could go into a different room, but this is what it is. And for me, this podcast is covering everything from trying to get back into the dating world and talking about celibacy because I've given my whole life to my job. Like there were, there was over a year that I didn't have sex because I just, I was so insecure about my body, gained a little weight and I'm like blaming my job, blaming work, um, and then just burying myself in it and all these different things of how to just be the best version of yourself, show up as yourself. But also it's for guys because there's an angle of it being one of the guys is still something that I am. I'm not not one of the guys. I'm not just one of the guys. So being, I would say it's about being a wing woman as well and kind of giving you, hey, these are the tips. Don't talk to me like this. Don't do this. If you want to get this girl, if you want to get this job and things like that. So I, there's a lot of topics that are getting covered. And, you know, episode three is launching in a few days. It's very, very new back to the streaming platform. So I'm still figuring out how I want to show up, but it's been great so far. It's really exciting. And I'm definitely letting people into my life a little bit more. So yeah, I'm excited. It's very exciting. It's very important to get off the tightrope because when you're on the tightrope, because you have so many things going on, (laughs) you're constantly balancing it for everybody else. But guess who's up there balancing it? It's you. Yeah. And I love that you, you're speaking about your, your time celibacy weight, yeah. because I think when people look at our Instagram, they automatically assume our life is perfect. No, guess what? My dishwasher breaks too. Like, <laughs> oh, guess what? We you pay know, for it. You know, there's, there's all these different things that happen, whether it's you're not happy with your skin, whether you're not happy with your body. And I think expressing that is so important especially with the superficial world that everyone is seeing. Oh, yeah. As successful as you can be in in business, you can still have something personally that's weighing you down. You can still have something professionally that's weighing you down. It doesn't mean you can't keep going forward. And I think some people get trapped by something holding them back and letting that one thing be that one thing. But it's like, okay, I'm on a six-week challenge right now. No days off for six weeks from the gym. I'm fasting for 14, 16 hours a day. So I'm not eating my last meal. And the reason I'm doing it is because I saw a photo of me and then I went back to another photo and I was like, oh no, I can't have this. So let me me just do this for six weeks, see what comes out of it. And then I'll kind of go back, but it's a good jump starter too. Absolutely. But the fact that that photo bothered me was healthy because it means we're never accepting mediocrity. Yes. When you accept mediocrity in one place in your life, it just, it kind of starts to cascade over every other place in your life. We're not mediocre and we never will be. No. And that was a big struggle for me. I, I think I really, I had this episode up and I had taken it down and I think I want to repost it. It was called The Villain Played by Me. And it kind of went, after this episode called The Root of All Evil, where I talked about how this happened. And I really feel like I need to put it back up because now that we're having this conversation, it kind of triggers a lot of things in my head. And I use the word trigger a lot because for me, these are triggers. These are things in a good way though, in a positive way that make me say, okay, you're not working hard enough. Or why did you feel you needed to do this? Who cares? It's going to hit with a lot of people. And it did. And it was sad because the villain played by me was about how I am my own worst enemy. You think that you talking shit about me or you saying this or that, or you, you know, hating me 
is going to affect me. I'm my own biggest critic. You can't be worse to me than I am You're to myself. You're competing with me who's swearing at myself all day long. All day. Who's criticizing myself all day long. And it's interesting that you took that down because I've had podcast episodes where I've listened to them as I'm pulling the clips and I will lose sleep over it. Yes. I will, whether I stuttered, I mispronounced somebody's name. I made a mistake in the intro. I will lose. And I I have to tell myself, like, let it go. Like, yo, just bro, move on. You got too much shit to do to like, hold on. But it'll still happen. It'll happen to me this week. It'll happen to me. I'll get off a meeting and be like, you sucked so bad. Meanwhile, the other people did not think I sucked. No. Everything was fine. But I will retrace conversations at the end of the day that I had that I didn't feel I was my best. And that's good. Cause you know it what? So good. You're always striving to be a better version of yourself. Like you said, well, Nicole Adomo that you are going to follow everywhere at Nickylicious and you are going to subscribe <laughs> to the podcast, not just one of the guys. I hope to be a guest one day soon. I was just going to say, can you please come on my podcast? Cause yes. I feel like we have so much more to talk about. Yes. I'll send you a copy of my latest book and then you'll have even more to talk about from there. 100%. But to meet again is going to be great in person. It was awesome to see you again today. I know. I miss you. It was so great. Thank you so much for having me. Don't forget to give her a follow at Nickylicious. I'll make sure you will be able to find all the links on my social media at The Real Lisa Ann, as well as below the video on my YouTube channel that will be live on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time for the premiere, and that it is there for you to watch at your leisure. And my sponsor, Blue Chew, comes to you at your door, discreet packaging, dissolvable, same ingredients as Viagra, Stellas. Step up your game. Use my code LISA at sign up. The moment you've all been waiting for, the mailbag. Do you want to be a part of the mailbag? Do you have a question for me that doesn't involve me having to say no to it? on the podcast? Well, then you can send your email to asklisaann at gmail.com. I will get to them weekly. So now that it's the sports season, if you have a question about a matchup, you could surely email it to me there because you know, we get a lot of these. Let's get this party started. Hi, Lisa. I've been for a long time and I love your work. I think this person meant to say, I've been a fan for a long time and I love your work, but it just says, I've been for a long time and I love your work. I was wondering if you would join me for dinner, question mark. I just want your company. Would you do it for a few thousand dollars just for your time? I'm 30 years old in shape. I just love your stuff. Marcus. I sit quietly for a moment, which is an awkward pause if you're just listening and not looking at the annoying look on my face while you watch. But really, it does deserve a moment of silence. Because I wonder, are these people not making plans with other people in real time because they're waiting to get emails back from all the women they've offered money to for dinner? I don't want to be paid to go to dinner. I'm fine. I don't want to go out with strangers. I'm good. And when I do go out to dinner, I'd like to go out with my friends so we can talk shit. I can catch up with them about work and be just like you are with your friends when you get together. You know about their family drama. You know about their work drama. You know about their one neighbor that has construction all the time. You know all of it. It is so fun. I don't want to do that with a stranger who's offering money to sit down at a table. Totally creeps me out. So that is a hard pass. Hard pass. But again, please engage. AskLisaAnn at gmail.com. Send me an email. 
This one's interesting, so brace yourself. It's not geared towards me, so you don't have to have empathy. But might want to buckle your seatbelt just from the subject matter. Bad head or bad dick? I had to open this. I mean, I had to open this immediately. Lisa Ann, hey, quick question. I'm 32, no problems getting hard and eventually coming during sex or with masturbation. However, I've never been able to come from head or even stay hard while receiving head. Like rock hard while having sex, she jumps off to suck, slide, whistle, noise. Why? Why does this happen? 34 partners, the guy has an exact number, precise. 34, not 33, not 35. 34 partners have all failed at this. I'm in my last relationship, hopefully. So I've got to figure this out before it's too late. Thanks. Well, T, thank you for the subject matter that really got me going first thing in the morning. This is something that I would think you would want to see a therapist about. You might be able to get hypnotized for this. That's definitely an option because what I think is it's probably not a problem at all, but after it was a problem the first couple of times, it definitely got in your head. You know, it's kind of like when you drive somewhere and you get lost the first time you go there and then maybe you get lost again a bit the second time, you're never right. You're never right driving to that place again because you always second guess yourself. So in a sense, you're second guessing yourself like, can this happen? Will this happen? And if it's something that you want to happen, you need to seek counsel, like a sex therapist or a hypnotist, because I think this can probably be this resurrect, like this could be fixed, but it could really just be mentally blocked by you. You know, I think it's similar to, I'll give an example. My stepbrother, his wife, were trying to have baby for a couple of years and they were trying, 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 and then they adopted a little girl. And then of course, what do you know? They get pregnant on their own because they weren't trying, trying, trying. I think sometimes we get in our own way. So T for you, I would reach out to somebody, uh, I would reach out to a sexual therapist first or a hypnotist. And I, you know, I think a hypnotist would probably be a great option, but also a therapist because a therapist is going to help you unblock whatever it is that's completely blocking your mind and not allowing you to, to go there. Next question. We got two more here. Next question. I met this woman on Badu. By the way, I have no idea what Badu is. This is how old I am. There's apps out there I have no idea about. We hit it off on the first date. We did kiss after I dropped her off and I saw her the second time at her place. A lot of talking and really getting to know each other, plus more kissing. Days after our second encounter, she tells me that she wished that we could kiss all night and the feeling was definitely mutual. A week goes by and she tells me that she can't dedicate her time to me like I did her. She tells me that she still had feelings for her ex-husband and that she couldn't feel like she could think about anyone at this time. I don't get it. We hit it off and the feelings were there for both of us, but I don't get the sudden 360. I do have to tell you that she does check my phone on a texting app we share. She does know how I'm doing and she does say hi to me. I'm confused and I need some advice on what do you think? Thank you. Hashtag dazed and confused. Oh, Willie, 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 Willie. This is such an easy one. She told you. She told you she still had feelings for her ex-husband. She's extending the olive branch by being a friend, by still reaching out and saying hello. 
but she needs to process what's going on with her before she can give herself to someone else. You went into this relationship, a blank page, a clean slate, right? You went into this like, Hey, I am open-minded and ready for this. She went into this with still some things that she's carrying. Her page is not blank. Her slate is not clean. So if you are a patient, kind man, like I truly predict that you are, you'll wait it out and you don't have to not be dating other people. But if you connected with her the way that you did, I have a feeling that you'll date other people and maybe not feel that same chemistry with them. She'll come around. If it's meant to be, it will work out. You can't force the issue and you can't resent her because you got to give her credit. She was truly open and honest with you. She shared something very personal and she needs to shake that. It's not easy to get over being married or even if it wasn't a marriage and it was just a really strong relationship, change is difficult. And she's doing the healthiest thing as a woman by being open and honest with you and also dealing with her shit before she brings someone new into her world. That's incredibly admirable, even more of a reason why you should like her. But you've got to be patient with this. It has to run its course. I give her a lot of credit for still reaching out with you and being friendly. She could have shut you out completely. So be grateful for what's there. Be thankful for the experience you did have and understand that she's just got to process this at her own pace. One more question. Okay, we've got greetings, Lisa Ann. I repeatedly hear or read that women appreciate a man's humor first, his willingness to listen to her and his genuine attention to her needs. But my gut tells me that being young and hot or really rich or arrogant is more exciting and therefore more attractive. As a gorgeous, independent, and intelligent woman like yourself, what is the truth? Admiring less. Less your first statement was the correct statement. So yes, we would appreciate a man's humor. His willingness to listen is everything and his genuine attention to her needs. Everything. What you're seeing and what you're sensing is just something that's not in your wheelhouse because it's something you would never do. You're not the type of person that would be in an abusive relationship or with someone that's cocky or with somebody just for their money. So you can't relate to somebody that might be doing that. It's a different generation. There's different people that are on a different path and it might be a temporary path where it's like, hey, I'm young and I want to be with guys for their money or whatever it may be. But understand that we all have a different mindset and the key is to find people who align with our mindset. So you can see those who may be gravitated towards your second statement, young, hot, really rich or arrogant, and you can avoid those because those do not speak to you. Those do not align with your values. Those do not matter. So you're right the first time. It's what the right women really want. But again, everybody's going through a different path at a different time in their life. So be patient. I hope you're out there dating. And I hope you meet somebody awesome. To all of you, I drank my last fit soda before I started this episode, so I can't hold up a can and tell you what my flavor is, but it was black cherry cola. Okay, it was with the black cherry. I love it. And by the way, there's some new fit soda flavors. Make sure you're following fit sodas on Instagram and fit sodas on TikTok because something new is about to come out in October. There's going to be weekly prizes. What are the weekly prizes going to be cash? What are the weekly prizes going to be a video chat with me? This is going to be super, super fun, but you have to be following at fit sodas on IG and TikTok. 
my sponsor, Blue Chew, as well for all of you who want to be your best and do all that you can do in the bedroom. Get yourself some Blue Chew. Go to bluechew.com and use my code LISA. Again, I thank you so much for having me in your ear. I cannot wait to be in your face on Friday on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Enjoying football with football Sundays every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on my YouTube channel. And to my guest today, Nicola Domo. Just a pleasure to reconnect with a woman that I met probably 2008-2009 and hit it off and brings me right into that that opening monologue where I shared with you the basket, the wicker basket, the weave in the fibers, the relationships that I have behind the scenes that I love that I get to share with you here and you get to understand kind of what I'm up to when I'm not on social media. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. 